Well, good morning to each of you and welcome. I'm going to do something today. Uh, uh, I would like to revisit this parable that we looked at last week and just to go back one more time and take a look at it in Matthew chapter 22. If you have your Bibles with you, Matthew chapter 22. I want us to look at the nature of the kingdom. The nature of the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom has come. Uh, he's the ruling Lord, and he tells this parable in Matthew chapter 22 to show us what this kingdom what we call Christianity, what it is like. Verse 2, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. So there we see that it's a feast for his son, in honor of his son. And then it says he sent his servants to call those invited to the wedding feast and they would not come. And as we read on, we find that he sent other servants and some of them they actually turned on and were hostile to and killed them. And so the king judged those first invited guests because they dishonored his son. We saw that as part of the first century judgment on Judaism. But then he sent out other servants to other guests, beginning in verse 8. And they went into the main roads, verse 9, and invited to the wedding feast as many as they could find, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Then there's another characteristic, verse 11. When the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was one who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we find that the kingdom here is characterized basically by two things. He has said, as he goes out, sends his servants out, Tell them that all things are now ready. What is ready? What is here? What is the nature of this kingdom? It is characterized by being a feast and by having a robe. Those are the two main things of the kingdom of God. It's really the only two things that we need. When you think about it, we need a, a feast that is food and strength for living. And we need a robe that is qualification and right standing for dying. If you have everything for living and you have that needed for dying, what else is there? Peter commented on this in 2 Peter 1.3 when he said his divine power 
has given to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Life, that's the feast. And godliness, that's the robe. So I want to just look at these two. We'll zero in, first of all, on the feast. What does this mean is that all things are now ready. The feast is ready. Well, the kingdom that was predicted in the Old Testament and is said to have come in the New Testament through Jesus Christ is compared to this great table, this buffet of truth and strength and help from God. In, uh, in the Old Testament, David said, God has prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. In the New Testament, we have communion to illustrate the kingdom and our faith. We come to a table and we eat with God and each other. One of the most beautiful things of, that I can remember growing up in uh, the great metroplex of White Pine, Tennessee. <laughs> if I remember right, we had one, I think it was a blinking light. It wasn't a red light. But the church that everybody went to was White Oak Grove Baptist Church. I went there for 18 years growing up there. All my family went there. And it was situated right near a, a, a group of white oak trees, thus White Oak Grove Baptist Church. And on occasion, about once a quarter, they would have these huge meals. And I'm talking southern fried cooking, homemade everything vegetables fresh from the garden and I don't remember maybe one sermon out of 18 years but I remember that cooking <laughs> my memories of church were formed around those lavish buffets of Baptist food and it stood me well it made me happy to go to church love church that's one of the things that is characteristic of the kingdom is it should make you happy to go. And you know why? Because you're receiving. See, in a, in a buffet, in a feast, he didn't say just food or bread, but he said a feast implying more than one dish, a variety of things. There are, this, this indicates that there are some heavy doctrines, you know, the Trinity and predestination, but there are also some lighter doctrines, uh, prayer and faith and fellowship. There are a variety of things, the fellowship of believers, the being together, the music, the word of God, and a feast implies that you have more than one thing and eat more than one time. It's an ongoing smorgasbord of nourishment. 
And I want to show you something. Um, if you have your Bible there, turn over to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And <clears throat> look at verse... Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Jesus is going through this village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Luke 10 and verse 39 now. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now it says in verse 40, Martha was distracted with much service. And so she comes out and says to the Lord, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Now there, uh, Martha has managed to insult two people in one sentence. Lord, do you not care that she has left me alone to serve. And then Jesus says something very interesting. He doesn't sympathize with her dilemma, which is interesting. You know, sometimes the Lord doesn't want to join you in your anxiety. He wants you to join him in his peace. So sometimes you won't find him running over and patting you on the back. And notice what he says to her. Verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about so many things. One thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. One thing is necessary. Now here is the thing. We think a lot of things are necessary especially in the Christian life and in the kingdom. We have to serve him. You know what Jesus said is necessary? One thing. Not that you feed me or minister to me, but that you are ministered to by me. You are fed by me. See, Mary chose the part where she's sitting at the feet of Jesus being taught by Jesus, taught his word. Martha is, thinks that her job here is to make sure Jesus is ministered to. And Jesus says, no, Mary has got it right. She's being ministered to by me. Here's what Christianity is. It is us finding in Jesus everything we need in his fullness. He is an ocean of grace. And there is enough for what I need. And so that is, Jesus says, is the one thing necessary. Which is more important? That you give to Christ or Christ give to you. You know, it uh, used to be when my kids were small and they, and they went to uh, Woodland 
um, that every Christmas they'd go around and uh, and they would have these little uh, stores and the kids could buy stuff for their parents for Christmas. And so every Christmas my kids would be coming to me and they'd be saying, uh, Daddy, I need $5. I'm going to get you something for Christmas. And I'd be like, oh boy. So I'd give them $5 or $10 and they'd all, they'd come back with this stuff that I didn't know what half of it was. And, uh, and here you are. Here's your Christmas present that I give to you. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I bought that myself. I would like to have picked it out myself. But this is what Christian service basically is. It is nothing but Jesus giving to us and then us returning a portion of what he gave back to him. We don't give him anything. He doesn't need anything. If he does, he can create it. We get to participate in the ongoing of the kingdom, but everything we invest, he has first invested into us. So keeping that in mind, the kingdom is a feast where you go as a hungry person with nothing to eat, and Jesus does not expect you to bring him food. He expects you to come hungry, needy. Uh, what honors Christ the most? Whether he needs you to do something for him or whether you need him to do something for you. It, what honors Jesus Christ as the glorious son of the living God is that you see him as an unending, unfailing fountain of strength, wisdom, and nourishment. That's the kingdom. That's why you should come into the kingdom. Because when you come in, everything's ready. It's prepared. It's waiting on you. Through the risen Christ, it's all been laid out on the table. See, if we would start emphasizing that with people, uh, I think we'd have a whole lot fewer people burned out in Christian service. She has chosen the good part, Jesus said. Uh, Mark 10, 45 is a, a great passage that we should remember in Christian service. The Son of Man came not to be served. Think about that but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. It honors him to serve you because you need service. It, it honors him and distinguishes him as the son of God, a, a great fountain of strength. When you draw from him, he serves you. The son of God came not to be served, but to serve. And so we turn that around. Christianity is not a list of things you need to start doing and a list of things that you need to stop doing. It's one thing necessary, coming to Jesus Christ, finding in him everything that you've ever needed and wanted. Well, amen, Larry.
Preach it, brother. <laughs> uh, all right. So what is the kingdom? It is a feast. Then what else is the kingdom? It is a robe. Now, that's where the king comes in and looked at this wedding garment, and we talked about this last week a little bit. But uh, again, the king would not only provide the food for these feasts, but he would provide a robe, the qualification for being in the uh, wedding feast. The qualification was also provided proper attire. And weddings do this today on occasion. The groom will buy uh, or pay for the attire for all the, the, the best man and all the groomsmen. Or in a, in a, I've been to a restaurant before and where they require a, a coat, a dress coat, and I didn't have one. So, you know, sometimes they have them and they'll bring you one and put it on you. They, they provide it, it because that's the environment that they're going to keep. And the dignity of the occasion. And they're protecting their standard of excellence. Well, God the Father in his kingdom has a standard of righteousness and you don't meet that. No offense to you. But God has provided that for you. And we gave you Isaiah 61 verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord and my soul will exult in God for he's clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. Now, what is key there is that in Isaiah 61 10, when he quotes that verse when he gives us that verse the way to be righteous in the Old Testament was to keep the law go to the temple sacrifice the ox uh, you go to the temple and uh, you uh, uh, work with the priest the priest would take your sacrifice and uh, the, the functioning of the priesthood and the temple and the law of Moses provided you righteousness. But in Isaiah 61, the temple had been torn down. And the exile, they weren't even in the land. They were up in Babylon in Isaiah 61. And there was no priesthood functioning. So there is no way to be righteous. So how can they be righteous? And God says, for those who have no way to be righteous... He clothes you with the garments of salvation. He will cover you with the robe of righteousness. He will provide what he has required. Most people only see <clears throat> the cross and the death of Christ as the saving event. But I want to tell you something, and, there, and, and it is a saving event. There's no question about the cross. It purchases forgiveness for all the sins we've committed. But just because you've taken away all your sins that they've all been forgiven doesn't get you righteous. It just takes away the sin. Where do you get righteousness? And I want to show you something this morning. 
When Jesus died on the cross, that took away my sin. But when Jesus lived his life, that obtained righteous merit before God for me. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says this. Paul says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus was born under the law. That means he lived under the law. The law said be circumcised the eighth day. Jesus was circumcised the eighth day. It means be dedicated as a firstborn son. Jesus was dedicated. Luke 2, 21 and 22, when the time came, it says, according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to the temple to be dedicated. According to the law of Moses. Everything in Jesus' life was under the law. So that by the end of his life, he had totally kept the law, including Sabbath. A lot of people say uh, uh, Jesus went to the temple on the Sabbath day. He kept the Sabbath. Yeah, because he's under the law. And so at the end of his life, his obedience had earned a treasury of merit that obtained eternal life. He could have ascended into heaven before he died on the cross. He earned it. But, but he had not yet taken away sin. So there were two aspects he had to die on the cross to take away sin. He had to live a life of obedience under law in order to obtain righteous standing. Both parts of those are ours. This parable shows us in Jesus' teaching that there's a robe of righteousness God clothes you with that is coming from the righteousness of Jesus himself. That's why Romans chapter 5, verse 19, says this. Do we have this uh, to put on the screen? Romans 5, 19. Look at this verse. By one man's disobedience, talking about Adam, many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, notice that, Christ, by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Where do we get our righteousness? To go to heaven. When we stand before God, what qualification do we have as good people to enter in? We have none. Except in the person and in the obedience and the living of Jesus Christ. So when he obeyed his parents, you were obeying your parents. When he resisted Satan in Matthew 4 in the temptations, never once gave in. That was you, that he applies that to you. When he comes to the cross and says, not my will, thine be done, that's righteous before the Father, that's given to you. That wonderful righteousness is a robe that covers us as we go out into eternity. 
So Romans chapter 10, verse 3 and 4 says, Being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God, we seek to establish our own and not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Amen. Have you believed? Have you believed in the person, the death and resurrection of Christ? The end of the law has been reached and righteousness is given to you. Righteousness for everyone who believes. What a magnificent gospel that we have. And let me say just a word to the, to the guys here. The biggest problem we have, and ladies, you can tune me out here right now for a moment if you want to, but for the guys, our, our biggest issues are up here in the head. <laughs> yeah, it sounds weird. Uh, we have a head problem. <clears throat> but is our thought life. And this used to bother me to no end. It was always I could never get a thought life that pleased God. Like I'd have a schedule for Bible reading and I never kept it. I mean, I'd read every day, but you know, you read three chapters a day, and five on Sunday, and you get through in a year. So I had that schedule. And I, in my mind, I had to do that. And I never did it. I mean, I'd get through in two, three years. But I always felt guilty. I always felt like I come short. And uh, even uh, uh, some time ago, uh, two or three years ago, I, I used to uh, go up top on the third floor of the church and over at the mother church, Bristol Road, and I'd pray. And it'd be at night sometimes and, I, and the light would be on and and somebody came by uh, one time and said, uh, Pastor, I drive by the church and I see that light on up there and I know you're praying for us. I said, Amen. Then I thought, you know, I could leave that light on and go home and watch TV. <laughs> I actually, I accidentally left it on one time maybe more than once. And somebody said, I saw you praying for us the other night, Pastor, drove by and saw the light on. Amen, amen. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I'm up there interceding. And it, so my mind was always like that. Now, that's just a few thoughts. I've got other thoughts that I've had running around up in there. I'm not going to say anything about them, all right? Amen, y'all happy about that? Trust me, you don't want to know all them. But then I realized I've got a robe of righteousness in Christ. And I want to show you this. Give me that picture of the high priest in the Old Testament and the mitre or the turban on his head. This is the, the high priest in the Old Testament was dressed according to the law of Moses. And he had this turban on his head and there was a gold band right in front and it said holiness to the Lord. Now this, this high priest represents Christ as our high priest in the New Testament age. Amen. 
He's our high priest. And he's before God representing us. And in his, across his forehead is holiness unto the Lord. And I realized Jesus' thoughts are what is before God, not my thoughts. He, he is my high priest. He is my representative. He goes into the presence of God on my behalf. And give me that next that verse in Exodus 28 that goes with that. Listen to what it says. Exodus 28, verse 36. You'll make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engrave, engraving of a signet holy to the Lord and fasten it to the turban and it shall be on the front of the turban. In Exodus 28, 38. And it shall be on Aaron's forehead and Aaron shall bear any guilt from holy things, Aaron shall bear any guilt from holy things that the people of Israel consecrate. It shall be always on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. Praise God. Notice that this, it shall be upon Aaron's forehead to bear the holy things. It shall be always there when my thoughts get messed up. His don't. Jesus always has pure, devoted, holy thoughts. Holiness unto the Lord. And that's what's before God that I may be accepted before him. See, my acceptance is in him. That's the robe of righteousness. And so it's a wonderful thing to come to a kingdom where you're disqualified and where in this kingdom is everything that you need for both life and death, for an inner nourishment and outward standing. It's a feast and a robe. I just finished reading... <coughs> a book by James Robinson in which he tells of holding uh, crusades for 25 years. I, I uh, remember James Robinson. I, I was in Texas and, and knew him briefly. Uh, flew in a plane with him a few times and to uh, hear him speak. And, and uh, so I got to interact with him some. And I, he was just kept up a frenetic pace. And, and he talks about after 25 years of crusade evangelism in stadiums all over the United States, he said, I was just burned out. I was just done. And I was out in a boat fishing. And he said, I just looked at the scenery around me and thought how beautiful God is and what wonderful things he does. And he just said, I looked at, the, at all this and I just said, Lord, I, I'm just not worthy. I'm not worthy to have anything, to do anything for you. And he said, just immediately, it was like God said back to me, James, you have never been worthy. You will never be worthy. Jesus is worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Preach Him. 
And I thought, amen. It is about Jesus. The king gave a feast, a wedding feast for his son. It's about Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive glory and blessing and honor. And when we can do that, we'll have a feast, we'll have a robe, and it'll be one happy day. Praise God. That's what Christianity is about. And that's what the kingdom's about. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, as we contemplate these great truths, we ask your blessing. We ask you to hold these doctrines, these wonderful ideas from God, from the Spirit, before us. Let us not forget them. And let us remember that we are at a table richly spread by the love of God and that we have a robe and we're just as good and right as anyone else is in the kingdom. And may we receive not only these things but each other in this fashion. May the gospel renew our hearts this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, you are dismissed.